Welcome, everybody. This is Pam Stack from Authors on the Air. It's so nice to see you today. I hope everyone's well. I hope if you're in the wintertime, you're staying warm. If you live down here in Southwest Florida, no problem. It's 80 degrees, sunny, breezy. The wind is whipping over the lake. The waterfowl are everywhere. It's just delightful. Don't be jealous. We have summer at 100 degrees and hurricanes almost every month. Hey, we're celebrating Women's History Month. I am thrilled to have two delightful authors with me today. Yes, you'll notice Revis Wortham down there, the handsome looking guy with the handlebar mustache, is not indeed a woman. But he is a lover of women. He has introduced me to the book in a good way. Rev, sorry, I didn't mean to make you frown. He loves women. Women are wonderful. He he proves it every time he's around women. He's respectful. He's a gentleman. When I first met Revis Wortham in 2013, I was at my first Thriller Fest, and Revis and his wife and John Gilstrap and his wife kind of poked me under their wings and said, come on, we'll introduce you around. And, um, and that's kind of how I got started meeting all these wonderful writers. So let me tell you about Revis. Revis is an award-winning author. He writes in two different series. The Red River series is one of my absolute favorites. It's not really historical, but it's kind of historical. It's set back in the 60s with a lawman. His other series is the Hawk series, which he's stopped writing for the time being while he can write his new book called Lang Bones. Our magnificent guest today is award-winning author and USA Today best-selling author, Pamela Fagan Hutchins. Not only is she spectacular and dazzling and amazing, she's an attorney, she rides big draft horses, and she is a host in this network of wine women in writing. Rev, the show is yours. Have a great time, everybody. I'll see you at the end. Thank you very much, Pamela. Pamela, how are you, girl? It's good to see you. Good. Good to see you too. It's been a year or more since this COVID thing. It has been a long time. I tell you what, that impacts writers uh, in a surprising way. You know, typically we're we're loners. We write. We 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 do everything in the computer all by ourselves. But when we want to interact with other writers, we go to these conferences, and that's where we met. And and they they're, they're just a delight to uh, to attend and to sit and visit with everybody. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna quiz you today. We're gonna talk. Good. Oh, good. <laughs> you won't fail then. <laughs> well, we won't fail. There, there are no hard questions. Uh, the first, the first book I read by uh, by you was was uh, uh, I got it about a year or so ago, and That's I had not read that. Yeah. yeah. Yes, uh -huh. and I had not read that book. Uh, uh, anything by you, unfortunately, because we, you know, we 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 meet, but there's millions of books out there. But oh, well, that will grab me so fast. Thank you. Thank it, you. It was a great thrill ride from, from the outset. And then I, I became a Patrick Flint uh, uh, fan right after that. But now you have a new one that just came out. I do. Tell us about it. It's Snaggletooth. It's um, continuing the Patrick Flint and family thrill fest in 1970s Wyoming. And I love, by the way, that we're talking about Patrick Flint since you're delving back into your 1960s uh, Red River series. It, it has some resonance for me. But this is a 1970s Wyoming series 
it's an adventurous young doctor and his um, uh, bratty teenager, his, uh, you know, kind of tween aged boy and his long suffering wife. And they all seem to get themselves into just one set of wilderness um, set of troubles after another. So in Snaggletooth, they're up in the Bighorn Mountains when a plane goes down and Dr. Patrick has this unfortunate uh, need or bent to always feel he's the one that's got to save everybody, which just never seems to go quite the way he wants to. So that's where we kick off with Snaggletooth. And it's a pretty fast paced book and, and we write it hard till the end. It is fun. It is fun. And it, 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 again, it grabs you from the outset. Now, we have 30 minutes and I've, I've got about 300 questions for you that I, I need to have answered for myself. This is the problem. This is what writers do, folks. We get together and we sit around and we talk and we visit with each other and we get these the answers to these questions that we really want to know. For example, uh, what you, know, you said you said it in 1977. I now, did. Music was atrocious in 77. Okay. The disco was out there. So why did, why, why did you select that, that horrible year, but put it in such a wonderful uh, part of Wyoming as the Big Horn Mountains? Well, truthfully, my family lived in Buffalo, Wyoming um, at that time. And as a young girl living there, I, I just thought it was the most magical place in the world. And so it took me 40 years to get back. But my husband and I now live here full time again. And when I started thinking about writing a series um, in Wyoming and setting it a little bit more historically, the time that called out to my heart was to go back to my childhood. So that's what I did. But I got to tell you, Rev, that most of living in Wyoming is about being 50 years ago. So it, it, it's, you know, 1970, 2020, 1970 might as well have been 1920. You know, everything here just seems to be a little bit um, saner, if you will. And so even in 1970s Wyoming, we weren't, we weren't, you know, swingers and, and bad clothes. It's pretty much ranchers and, and you know, cowboys and, and things just like it is today. And that's what I remember about. I, I used to vacation a lot. I was a freelance photographer and a wedding photographer many, many years ago uh, in the 70s. And I was up in that part of the world just taking landscape uh, photos and just absolutely loving that country. But, you know, a lot of beginning writers always have questions and they say, well, what should I write about? And, and most advice that people get is well, you write about what you know. So now with that being said, Pamela, then you're obviously a doctor and a pilot and you're <laughs> because you have all those things wrapped up in this, in this, in this book. Where does all that, where's all that uh, technology and information come from? You know, it's funny that you say that because I did have a, a reader uh, of one of the advanced copies of Snaggletooth write to me and say, I am so glad that you um, had planes in this book and that you didn't screw it up. <laughs> but um, my father, my father is a pilot. My brother, actually, my brother is an ass kicking, um, uh, we call it uh Marine Colonel retired. He was a Cobra pilot in the Marines helicopters. So I grew up in a family of flyers. I'm a barfer. I get in the plane and, you know, hand me the bag, right? You're the daughter then. Yeah. But I do have these strong memories of growing up in Wyoming, sitting in the back seat of a super cub and my dad flying up the side of the mountain and then gliding back down and us following the herds of antelope. And 
even if I was throwing up, that was wonderful, right? So I've been trying to get that into a book. And so the, that's where that came from. But honestly, these books are 100% based upon my father, who I told for many years, you're protagonist worthy, I'm going to get there, dad. And I was spurred to start writing about him when I felt the ticking of the time bomb. He got a, a diagnosis of three months to live with cancer. And I started writing as fast as I could. And Switchback was the book that came out. Well, dad then turned around and just absolutely has been a poster child for defying odds. This is several years ago now. And I'm still writing the books, but it's become kind of a collaboration between us. So when I write a scene in an airplane, when I land an airplane, for instance, I do the best I can. But then I turn to dad and say, OK, don't don't kick me too hard. But how did I do? And he'll fix it for me. Or when I have a wilderness medicine um, scene, he'll come back and say, well, you wouldn't quite do it this way. You'd kill your patient. But, but you know, you tried, honey. So we do it together. And it's just been a ball. Well, good. He's he's still with us, still healthy, and, and yes, yes. good, good. Glad yeah. to hear that too. So, so uh, you you bring back an ensemble cast in in this new novel. Uh, I, we we got to know. Uh, I've gotten to know the family through the other books that, that have come through. You have, you have you have I have snake oil here and sawbones, <laughs> and, and and they're all. It's hard to catch me. Because I, I read so much, but you got me in all of these. Thank so, you. so you bring these are actually standalone novels, but they're they part are. Of I really, as a reader, I like to be able to jump into a series on any book and then be surprised that it's in a series and then go back and be able to enjoy them out of order if I so choose. Right. That should be my right as a reader. And so I try to create that experience for the devoted readers that start at book one and work their way through. They get the payoff of a progression, but you can really pick any one of them up and um, and, and not be lost. But it is on ensemble very much. Uh, Patrick gets the naming rights on the books, but there's some pretty strong players in these besides Patrick. Well, there are. And, and Patrick's wife is this. There's a there's a dual plot going in this. We have two different yeah. plots through. So so tell, tell us a little bit what she's putting up with or dealing with while he's he's in the wilderness trying to, to solve this crisis that he's found. Yeah, you know, the, the challenge of uh, crafting a blurb with a dual storyline, you pick one, but the truth is that Suzanne, to me, his wife, steals this book. Mm -hmm. She is put into a position where a friend of hers is adopting a baby, a baby that's the child of a uh, convicted, uh, well, recently convicted and soon to be sentenced felon that had the baby in prison and waiting to adopt when this woman is sentenced. The woman breaks out, comes to the house where they're having a party, takes the baby out of Suzanne's arms. And Suzanne, just out of just sheer reaction, goes after her. Well, this is 1970s Wyoming. We don't have cell phones. We don't have GPS. Um, you know, she left her purse at home. And it's her and her dwindling gas supply chasing a multiple murderer who's stolen her friend's uh, soon-to-be-adopted baby. But on the other hand, it is this woman's birth child, so she feels a strong attachment to it. And I loved writing this because I've had a, you know, I think back to the women that I knew in the 70s. And... I loved progressing her from Patrick's wife to carrying a storyline by herself and using not only her brains, but physical force when necessary to um, take back this child. 
she has a very strong character too. She, she, she doesn't lean on anyone. She, she does what she thinks she needs to do to, 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 uh, to, to rescue the, the, this baby. Now, um, writing about 1977, you just, you, you just mentioned there are no cell phones. The technology is not what we have today. Do you find that easier to write about without the cell phones, the technology in that time period? I find it more fun to write about because you are, able to create suspense with less characters knowing what's going on all around them. And I love that. Don't you, when you're writing your 1960s book, it's a treat. And yet there is some fun in being able to play with technology in my contemporary books as well. But I've enjoyed going back. I really have. And maybe it's partly because I live in Wyoming now and I feel this sense of sinking back into that time by being where those memories were created with me. But I just love it. I lose myself in it. Oh, and, and writing is fun, isn't it? Yeah, big, big, big people, I, I hear a lot of beginners, it's so hard for me to write. Well, then you're not doing it right because if, if you're having trouble telling the story, then, then there's something wrong because I can't wait to sit down and, and, and put my fingers on a keyboard every day. Do you write every day? I write every day and, you know, sometimes it's working on outlines or working on the synopsis of a book, but it's something to do with that story every day so that I kind of always have imaginary friends around me that I can talk to all the time. It's a nice thing. Okay. You just, you just said something that leads me to another question. You said you're outlining. I don't outline. I can't. I I wrote one outline for one book and I abandoned it on page two as I started (laughs) And so I, I cannot do it. There's a term for people like me and they call, I hate that term. They call it pantsers. Don't you, I just, it doesn't feel right. Not for me anyway. But so I just sit down and put my fingers on the, on the keys and I follow the story as it progresses. Mm-hmm. You're entirely the opposite. You're like Jeffrey Deaver. You like to outline things. What, what, what is that about you? Is, is it control? Control. Yeah. But you know, what's funny is my brother who I mentioned earlier, Cobra pilot always said to me, once he'd started in the Marines, that flexibility is the key to air power. So my version of outlining is to start with rigor and then get excited about the story halfway through the outline, jump to writing the story and then realize my outline's all wrong and then just chase the story. But the rigor of starting the outline gives me some framework and ideas to jumpstart for me. So I'm kind of half pants, half no pants. Okay, so you're like in, one leg out. I got you. So that's that's a launching pad for you then. It is. Okay. So it, let's say in the morning, do you write mornings, afternoons? What's your afternoons? What, your, what about I, you? Are you are you a uh, whenever I can get time? Yeah. Uh, that that's I would I, right off the bat. I've got to have about two or three pots of coffee to get started, so it's not <laughs> early in the mornings. Yeah. Uh, we and we have lots of grandkids that are over here a lot, so I have to find different times where I don't have a two year old sitting up here in my lap helping me out. <laughs> but uh, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, so so you sit down in the afternoon. Yeah. And- fingers on the keyboard do you pick up where you left off or do you go back and read what you wrote the day before and move forward how does that work for you i write the word start here at the end of the previous day and then i search on the word start here and i start there now i will as i'm going along if i have something that i think you know what i need to go add something to chapter one to lay lay the predicate for this or gosh chapter two needs this change I'll do substitute things like that, but I won't go back and edit my words because if I do, I just get lost. I just, I never move forward. It's like, you get, 
Yeah, you get caught in a loop. And I, I, I've known people that I, I had a lady one time tell me I, I, I teach a lot of classes or more than we do you know, with the with the lockdowns that we have now. But I was always out teaching. And a lady said, I've been working on my manuscript for 10 years and I just can't get it finished. And mm-hmm. the more I talked to her, I found out that she goes back every day and tries to correct things in the back. And then she gets to the end and she shows it to people. And then they say, oh, no, 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 you should do this. And she's caught in the loop. She can't get out of it. And then to this day, that poor thing hasn't hasn't been published. I think perfectionism is the enemy of done. And yet when you get to done, that's when you go back and become a perfectionist. But what I found as a writer is that I have to keep moving forward every single day. I'm plot and character focused the first the, the first time through. And then I'm fix it and perfect it, you know, than the other times. Okay. So 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 you, you work on it a little bit, but not you don't keep going back over and over again. So so how did you first get started writing? What what, what launched you <laughs> this? My third grade teacher at Buffalo Elementary and here in Wyoming told my parents that I would be a novelist when I grew up. Her name is Sherry Tavigi. And she said, yeah, Pamela will be a novelist. My parents told me and I said, "Ooh, yuck, I like to read books. I don't like to write them. And so that began the rebellion of somebody had told me what I should do. So, of course, I'll do something different. Um, but late, years later, I, I found that I was a closet writer. Um, I know like for you, you were a columnist for years. You were professionally every day. Get the words out. Not me. Um I was a lawyer and I wrote a lot of reports. I wrote legal documents, but in secret, I was writing fiction. You know, it's the same way with me. I had uh, I had a teacher in, in my and my I was 10 years old, fourth, fifth grade that told me that I was going to be an author. And uh, and I, I, I believed her. And then I had another teacher in in, in high school who really, really stepped up and told me what I need to do to help me out. And you know what? I dedicated my second book to her because I, because I had her, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have published anything published. So the, it, it's important to have people support you. And, yeah. But at the same time, I know folks have said, you're not going to ever write and you're not going to be successful. And they've re- the, you know, these authors have risen above that, you know, they rose above it. So. Absolutely. And I love that you did that with your teacher. When I was on my second book tour, I convinced my husband, who's from the Virgin Islands and doesn't, you know, doesn't know enough about geography to know your wife is about to lie to you. I said, why don't we just stop and do an event in Wyoming? You know, it's 13 hours there and 13 hours to the next place when you stop in Buffalo, Wyoming. But we booked it and we got here in the middle of July. And I'm like, isn't it magical? Isn't it wonderful? And he said, let's call Mrs. Tabiji. And we called Sherry Tabiji. She actually lived in Sheridan, which is closer to where we are now. And we drove back 45 minutes the direction we came and took her to dinner. And it was, I cried, I I cried. It was just the coolest thing. And to be able, what a blessing to have the opportunity to tell somebody they made a difference to you. You know, that feels like returning a little bit of the gift. It was very special to us. It is. My, my my teacher came to my first to the signing for that for my first book, and she had seen it in the newspaper. It had been advertised. I was having that book signing at a Barnes and Noble, and she came walking in, and I didn't recognize her. She had to explain who she was because it had been you know all those years, and and yeah. it seems like she shrank down to nothing. She was a you know she was this tiny little lady, and I was more excited to talk to her to thank her than I was to do the book signing. So yeah. You know, the support that we get from, from all around and we get support from authors too. You know, we, we have authors that take us under their wing. Uh, are there any particular authors that have helped you or, or, or is, 
is it the, the the books you've read by authors that have helped you? Is there is there any correlation in that? Well, very much. I've been influenced by authors that I enjoyed reading. Sometimes because I'm a student of them, and other times just because how can you help but be influenced by it? You know, I've never met him, but Lonesome Dove by Larry McMurtry changed me forever. Mm -hmm. um, I still go back and read it and watch the movie. You know, once a year. Um, Pat Conroy and his ability to evoke emotion. You know, for Larry McMurtry, for me, it was the settings of the quirky characters. For Pat Conroy, it's that emotion that. How do you pack a wall up? Um, the love that he had for for his um, environment, for the you know the the area he grew up in. But then there were also writers that made a difference to me that um, I worked with very early on. There's a wonderful writer in Austin named Nikki Lofton who really kicked my butt over an early draft of a book I thought was done, and she's like, no. Um, and so you know, great people, critique groups that I've been part of. But, you know, in the last few years, what's been cool is through doing my show, Wine, Women and Writing, it's made me sit back and say, who do I want to meet? Who do I want to talk to? Who do I like to read now? Mm -hmm. And I have a reason, you know, little introverted me to pick up the phone and call them or text them or email them and then talk to them on the show in a way I would have been scared to if I'd approached them in real life. So that has opened up a whole new world of people that have turned out to be friends and um, have supported me and I've gotten the chance to do things for them. So it's been wonderful. Conferences are like that too, as you were saying, you meet great people. You do. You, you meet a lot of good people, uh, readers and, and writers. You know, I met, I met some, some great readers that, that that were afraid to sit down and talk to myself and some others that were just around the table one day. And they were stunned that we asked them to come sit with us because they never expected to be able to, to talk to, a, to, to an author, you know. And, and I, I, I'm the same way. I met, uh, I have a lot of them that I've, I've read over the years, really wanted to meet. And, and then I met, uh, for example, uh, David Morrell, who was a huge inspiration for me, uh, Rambo's daddy, you know, first blood. And uh, when I met David, I, I almost had to stop and think, what am I going to ask this guy? You know, I, was, I, 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 I did not drop to the ground and hold on to his leg like a two year old. But I'm uh, glad to hear that, <laughs> I, I have some self control, but not a lot. You know, we, become, we become friends and we, and, and, and we, we text and, 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 and talk back and forth and meet each other at conferences. And now I can sit and talk to this guy and, and, and he, he helped launch my career and yeah. helped me. So cool. He did. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't know it. So um, I, I get a lot of questions. I'm going to throw a couple at you here that, that uh, people ask me. Let's just, let's just see, uh, see what pops up. Where, right. do you get your Where do you get your ideas? For your Where do I get my ideas? You know, I talk about them with my husband and we, We'll basically start with a setting and some characters. And we'll say, we really like this setting. We really like these characters. What would be authentic to this time and this place and these people in terms of current events, in terms of geological forces? I'm really big into, you know, the setting and forming a book. You know, what are the natural elements here? What's the weather like? Um, and I really like to delve into the history, the religion, whatever made that the culture, the community, special and different, and then try to come up with something that could only happen there. Now with these Patrick Flint books, it's been a combination of that and trying to start with real stories. So for instance, with Switchback, the one that you read first, mm -hmm. there was a murder that occurred up here about 20 years ago in the mountains where um, some brothers during hunting season 
had kind of staked out a camping spot. It was theirs and all the locals knew it. Well, some guys from Minnesota came. They didn't know that. The brothers weren't there. They took the camping spot and it became a bloodbath. And I started with the idea of you took my camping spot mm -hmm. and and kind of went from there. Um, and so then we get to Snaggletooth and I've now developed this world of characters. And I had some characters I really wanted to get back to in Snake Oil. Right. And I had these mountains up here. I'm, I'm pointing at them. I'm actually on the face of the mountain. I can't see Blacktooth, but it's right there. Yeah. It's snowing like mad outside. I've got to tell you, I can barely see from the glare on my eyes. But um, Blacktooth's right there. And I thought, you know, what if we're up there and we have a plane crash and these guys somehow show up and, and, and then Eric and I just talk about it until it all makes sense. And when it does, I, I sit down and I write a little launching pad outline and, and get going. Is that, do you work your ideas out or do they come to you? They come to me. What if? It's, just, it, yeah. it's what if. Uh, my, my most recent book, Laying Bones, just came out um, a couple of months ago. And that came about when uh, I was explaining to a friend of mine, uh, my cousin, friend of mine, my cousin, we were in a few. <laughs> Yeah. And friend. He, he's a longtime friend. Uh, and, and we were talking about my dad and his cousin who were in World War II together in Japan. And uh, they came back to a small farming community. My dad dealt with what he saw in a different way than RB did. RB turned to alcohol and wound up, they wound up finding him in a creek, a dry creek, dead, and, and said he drowned. Uh, came home drunk one night. Well, when I told my cousin that, what I remembered, my cousin looked at me and said, RB didn't drown. He said, he, there was no water in his lungs. Somebody killed him and pushed him off in that creek. Now, this is something I'd grown up with all my life. And now I find out it's it's a it was a murder and it was covered up somehow. And that's where I got what if. And then I Absolutely. wrote, yeah, I wrote laying blue, laying, laying bones like that. So you know, we all what if, don't we? We, we all exactly. Well, because real life provides us with so many opportunities to do that and say, well, this would have been a lot more interesting if, or, and to, and to build that drama in, you know, I always think about what we want in real life is we don't want a murder mystery. We want peace and fun and joy and grandkids and mountains, but in a book, you know, we yeah. <laughs> threw that all out. So what yeah. if your life wasn't peaceful? Well, and that's, and you know, uh, your, your family, uh, we have a term here in Texas when bad things happen over and over to a family, we call them snake bit or a person yeah. you know? yeah. in, 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 in Flint's family snake bit, just, snake like, bit. just like my, my Parker's and, and my Texas Ranger, my mm -hmm. series, my Sunny Hawk series. If, if we wrote about procedurals or if you wrote about just going out and describing the beauty of camping over and over and over again, I don't think we're going to get very many readers <laughs> as glorious as it is. So what we need to do is to, to, to add an element of, of excitement in there for these folks to, to, to join in and enjoy the outdoors, enjoy the time period that you're writing about, the time period that I write about. So when, when you guys decide you're going to write, do these, these books and you create the situation, um, you go out and get on those giant draft horses of yours and ride up in the mountains and, 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 and do that? Or, or how does all that roll back in? We really do. I literally, for these Patrick Flint books, have visited every location in the books um, physically, taken pictures, done it in the season where the book was set. Uh, I was talking with a book club a few days ago and they were saying, you, you seem like such a naturalist. You know, you all these different references to the, the lichen growing on this side of the rock and the moss hanging on this side of the tree. How do you know all that? And I said, well, first of all, my dad, you know, he was he that's how he, he raised us. 
But I really go out there and I say, okay, this book is set in August up at the base of Blacktooth Mountain. So last August, the family um, hoofed it up to Blacktooth Mountain. Some of us were happier than others. It was a very long, long excursion (laughs) and took a lot of pictures. And I want to know, could it really work? Yeah, we take artistic license, right? You know, okay, well, it kind of is like this in Big Bend, but maybe not exactly when you're doing the Sunny Hawk books or or it's kind of like this in East Texas. But if it's not going to be the way it works for my books, I like to say that, you know, in like the acknowledgements or something. I took some artistic license because I really like to make them hyper-realistic. I like to it to be, if a plane had gone down here, this totally could have happened. Pamela, I tell you, it, it, it's an absolute delight. I miss sitting around talking to you. I just, yeah. this is driving us all nuts. And, and, and we're, uh, this has been so much fun. We're, we're about to run out of time. I think Pam want, uh, Stack wants to come back in now here in a second and say hi to everybody. But uh, her and she appears. Uh, I've seen that book. I've seen that book. You know, it occurs to me that both of you uh, write kind of in the same time period. And your characters, while not similar, are complementary to each other. I wonder if they'll ever pass, like, um, like maybe Bosch and and Pike and 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 Cole pass every so often in a book. You know, that'd be fun. Thing, yeah, yeah, it'd be really interesting. Um, uh, Revis, what's are you on tour for Laying Bones? Uh, as much as possible, you know, being on tour is not like it was. I, I've done a lot of video tours. I, I've done Zooms, uh, that, those types of things. I, I was with Poison Pen not too long ago, the, the, the publisher who, who's in now with Sourcebooks. So, yeah, I'm getting out as much as I possibly can, but we're restrained. You know, I, I was all over the state of Texas, my last book, and this one, yeah. Yeah, I just can't. Yeah. Well, well, we're going to have to have you back down here to Southwest Florida shortly. How about that? Oh, hey, I'm, I am. I told my wife the other day we 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 just got back from uh, from uh, Tennessee. We went to the Smoky Mountains. And I saw nice packs and just took off and and I told her though I said you know what I'm kind of in the mood to head back down to Florida again because I really do like to go down there. You know, anytime you want. I mean, I'm I'm in I'm between. Tampa and St. Pete, I mean, Naples and St. Pete. So I'm kind of dead set in the center. But how about if we do it virtually, if nothing else? Since You're on. on tour. You're on. Pamela, um, I, you know, I just love the fact that this is the first time you and I are meeting face to face. I can't we, believe it's the first time I either. Know, after all these years. And I thought the first time was going to be VoucherCon Dallas, and I ended up not being able to attend. It actually was my birthday weekend, and I had made other plans, so that's why I didn't go. Um, But I want you to tell everyone where they can find you on the Internet first, because then I'm going to go back to Rev and ask him the same thing. Well, I am way overexposed. I should have shown you guys a picture of Snaggletooth so that you'll know it when you see it. There you go. That's the plane we were talking about. You can find me probably the most chatty on my Facebook page. Pamela Fagan Hutchins is my name, and that's also my website. So I'm pretty easy to find. Do you spend most of your time in social media on Facebook? Because I know you share all kinds of pictures. Uh, Yes, I do. I have my boy, Petey. Playboy Petey is napping. I was hope oh, he misses you. I can tell you, Petey, are you going to come? No, he's he's dead asleep. Petey, Petey is the last time Petey was on, he was sitting next to Pamela and he snored so yeah. loud that we. I said we can't edit it out. We just have to. <laughs> Where else yeah. is that happen? He's we have so no cat sleeping on me today. We have no 
dog in my lap, but um, he says hello. Um, probably Facebook is where I am uh, most. Um, okay. It's just What's happening on, on Wine, Women, and Writing for you? You are back from your hiatus since you finished yeah. now, dude. I am. You, you were so happy. kind to me last year when I was burnt out. And you just said, take a break, honey. Take a break. <laughs> but I understand you have some interesting people coming on your show. I do have some interesting people coming on my show. I'm most excited that we have a tentative yes, thanks to you, from... Sandra Brown. Um, so can I say that louder? Yes. Sandra Brown. Um, later this summer. Another great Texas author, right? There Brown? you go. Yes, she is. Lives not far away from Yeah, that's very true. Um, I've got TJ Brereton coming on, Catherine Bybee. I have, oh gosh, this is Lisa Reagan. Um, I've got a couple of others that aren't confirmed on dates yet that are super exciting. And I'm trying this year to um, do all new folks. Uh, just, it's exciting Good. for me to meet, like Revis and I were talking about, it's a way to meet new authors and yes. a reason to read new authors because there's just so many books, it's hard to get to them. So I'm, I'm pumped up. I'm thrilled for you, congratulations. Yeah. Thank you for everything you've done. Oh, please. I'm, you know, I'm always happy to help you. Revis Wortham, my friend from now, you know, you've known me in my second year of doing this kind of stuff. It's hard to believe it's been that long. You know, my second or third year, I think, is when I met you. Um, Laying Bones is the new one. You are on hiatus from Hawk. You may or may not go back, depending upon how well you're loving doing this one, right? Um, where's your best place to find you? Uh, well, I'm on Facebook a lot. I, I, I have uh, two, there are two Facebook pages. There, my personal page somehow became my professional page. So it's just mm -hmm. Revis Wortham, uh, R-E-A-V-I-S Wortham. Uh, my author page is Revis Z Wortham, but there's there's not as much action. So come on to the other the other one, and like Revis Z Wortham, and then come over to Revis Wortham. We, we're always talking about old-timey words. Uh, we're talking about life itself. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and, and one thing we do, we we try to avoid as, as much as possible. We do a pretty good job. We avoid politics. So yep. uh, if you're tired of all that, uh, you know, come on over there and, and have fun with us. Because I I think Facebook is like the old country store I used to go to when I was a kid, where you go up there and listen to the old men talk. That's what Facebook <laughs> should have been, and I, and I hope it gets back to that. So you can find me there, or I have a. Uh, uh, page, uh, uh, my web page, and it, it uh, just scroll across the bottom right now. So you sure can go to and, and find very similar things, and you'll, you'll see what we're doing, where we're going to be. Uh, you'll you'll see a couple of things I'm really proud of. I, I've, I've uh, won a couple of Spur Awards over the last couple of years. Thank you. Uh, th that was a huge honor because I, like you, I, uh, Pam, I read the Larry McMurtry. Uh, even when, when I was young, I mean, I, I discovered him back in high school. Yeah. And I followed Larry for, for years. I met him. I have, have had the opportunity to meet him. And so, um, you know, and, and, and Louis Lamore and Max Brand, all those Western authors, I would get those books when I was in high school and it would say Spur Award winner across the top. And then over the years, I read more and more. It says Spur Award, Spur And I always wanted one. And then my Sonny Hawk, I took him. My son, you know, I could I could wear those spurs. They're on my wall right now, but I can actually if I want, you know. So uh, I'm really proud of those those two awards. We talk about that uh, on the on my webpage and on Facebook also. So just come and join in, and I'd love to visit with all of you. Well, before you leave, you have to give us an old timey word. <laughs> Took up with.
Because I'm sorry, said that again. It took well, I gave it one earlier. Snake bit. That was an old fashioned yeah. word. And I talked about, but took up with, I, I used that not too long ago. I said, well, that, that lady took up with that guy. And both of my daughters who are in their thirties looked at me and said, what do you mean by that? Dad? I said, well, I failed you guys so badly. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that means they got together. They're, they're, they're buddies. They got together. You know, she took up with him or he took up with her. So yeah, I, I love that one. They're all, they're all fun. It's the way people talk. And that's why, that's how I try and write the way people talk. I want to thank both both award-winning authors. They are both bestsellers. Um, right. My guest host today, Rev Z Wortham. Rev is my buddy from years and years and years now, and I'm thrilled and honored to, to be friends with you. And Pamela Fagan Hutchins, who I fell in love with her writing, not in the Patrick Flynn series, although I love that too. And mm -hmm. I sent her an email and I said, would you please come on my show? I'm in love with your <laughs> books. And we had so much fun that I said, gee, why don't you do a podcast? You know, she said, okay. There she you said, go. gee, you're so incredibly overexposed and, and loud. Come and do what's natural to you. No, <laughs> not at all. It was just, it was, we've had such a good time though, haven't it was, we? It's been awesome. Thank you so much for bringing me in. It's really been a joy. Oh, please. It's so much fun. I want to thank you both for being with me. I want to thank our lovely audience for being here today. Um, we are continuing to celebrate Women's History Month. Tomorrow, I know two of you guys' favorites are coming on, Allison Brennan and JT Ellison, who both have lies in the title of their new book. I can't wait to hear what that's all about. Have a great evening, everyone. Thank you for being with me, and thank you, Mom and Dad.